Hey everyone, welcome back to The Hoist. You're tuning in with Chloe and Vic. We have a very, very exciting artist joining us today. As the pinnacle of the Aussie indie folk music scene, their warm voices have been captivating Australians for over a decade. Joining us today is the incredible John from Boy and Bear. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing really well. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. Very well. Um... Well, yeah, did you just kind of want to begin by, like, giving us a little boy and bear rundown and how you guys met and came to be and a, a little bit of your journey up until this coming album? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like, there was there was a few, few of us in different bands at university. So university was kind of where it started. And it's like a semi-complicated story, but why don't I just simplify it and say we decided that it would make sense to kind of get rid of all the other bands we were playing in and just play in one band with a few of us together. And so that's where it kind of happened at uni. And then we just put a, had a song, because like Dave was doing a solo project, which, which then became the band, um, our singer Dave. And then we just recorded a song and sent it in to um, Dom Alessio, who was working at Triple J and Unearthed at the time. And then he liked it and he played it. And that kind of started, I guess, if you want to sort of, say started our career it seemed to get people's attention we got a bunch of support shows through two, 2009 10 into 11 and then got into doing our own shows and then we've we've made five albums since so it's been pretty cool amazing and I guess along the way what has have you found a certain role that each of you take when it comes to writing music together and making music together um I guess yeah what's your process like when it comes to creating music yeah it's changed I guess over the years so if I think back to like early stuff Dave was writing sort of folk songs on acoustic guitar and then we were trying to turn those into our own songs I guess band songs um and then I guess playing together more means you just start to collaborate in different ways um, so that kind of evolved through the second record, Harlequin Dream, and then into the third record, Limit of Love. And then the last two have been even more that way, but I guess the our latest record, the self-titled one, was somewhat like it's not a COVID record in the sense I don't want to like taint it like that, but we were doing a lot of the writing during COVID lockdowns because we were on tour and at the time the lockdown started so once we couldn't play shows we thought we might as well just write music which I think a lot of people did and so it, it sort of forced us into approaching the writing a little bit differently because normally we would be in a room together but instead now we were sort of at home like separated and so we started to send things around you know via email and instead of sort of four or five people diving in together it was like one person would play something then someone else would play something or sing something and then it kind of tracks would build up and then we had to in some cases like what happened stayed like we went oh cool that's good and then in on in other cases like we'd feel like a song sounded cool and then we get together in the room to play it and we're like oh it doesn't quite work now because we never actually got to play it together and so um that was pretty interesting i reckon and also because Tim, like our drummer, moved up to Brisbane. Um, so he was further away. And even when we started to be able to get together, people from Brisbane couldn't come to Sydney. So that, like, we were already dabbling with drum machines and kind of electronic grooves. But him being, a, like, located remotely meant it became a little 
more necessary to try those things. And sometimes they were like just part of a, a demo and we went, oh, cool. I think just real drums sound better. And sometimes the drum machine machine stuff stuck too. So yeah, it was, it was like, it's always changing a little bit. And because you're playing so many shows in between, then you sort of, yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what we'll do next record, like whether we're still, what the next evolution is, but it has definitely evolved. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And um, we've both seen you perform various times and I guess we've sort of like observed that your audiences locally and internationally are like very impressed with your live sets, um, including like the range of instruments that you have on and you utilise on tour. Um, where does it all come from and like what inspires you guys to perform and write? I think they're like, they're sort of two sides of the same coin. Like for me anyway, I think if you, if you ask different ones of us, you might get a different answer like between us, but I think there's a certain energy that comes from performing live because there is that immediate like sense of like what the audience experiences, like the difference between a good show and a great show is like pretty, pretty, pretty big. And the difference between a good show and a bad show is pretty big too. Cause like the, the feedback you get from playing to people and seeing how they respond. Like I say this thing to my, um, to the, to the guys in the band, like when, when people come back after the show or you see someone, you know, after the gig, like you don't really listen to the words they say because you can see on their face, whether they enjoyed it or not. Like, so people might be nice to you, but you know, when, when you've had a good one and you can see in the person's eyes you're talking to you, like that feels amazing. So I always like that sense when you feel like people were surprised at the show. They were like, oh, I had an idea of what I was I was going to see and it was something different. So that's that's energising. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, you've got the studio, which is so different because it's, um, I mean, people, someone else said this, but you kind of want to play loose like you do live in the studio because you want it to be vibey. But then when you you're live, you want to bring in some of the studio stuff because you want to you want to make it sound good too because sometimes live, the excitement, the tempos can get away and stuff. But I guess the studio is a lot more controlled. So um, you get to really see the realisation of your ideas, but it's also like a pretty unforgiving environment because like you can hear everything really clearly and like live, you're playing on stage in the same space together. And so everything kind of glues together naturally, but in the studio sometimes it doesn't work that way and you have to like figure out how to make it work when it's not quite right. But it's, I probably like, I wouldn't want one without the other, but there is something very satisfying about a song sort of being born and then recorded and then existing. Like that does feel very cool. So I, I do, I get always drawn back to that. Yeah, for sure. And you've recently released your fifth studio album. Um, it's a self-titled album. Uh, what, where about... And why did is now kind of the time that you decided to finally pull the self-titled card? So there's a couple of things. Like there's one which sounds more romantic and one which is just like silly. But this was the first time we've been put in, put anything out independently. So that was a big change for us where we'd, we'd been on a major label in Australia since the start and various different labels overseas. Um, and this time around, all of our deals were up at the same time and we decided that we actually wanted to do it ourselves. And we've got a really good team with our management and they were able to help us kind of put it together. I mean, when I say help us, we help them. They're doing most of the work with that side. But that was an important thing for us to be able to kind of take um, take it all in-house and see what we could do with it. 
And so something about that felt like a good time to go with a self-titled record. But then there was also um, the other side of it is we couldn't agree. So um, like we had some different, we were tossing up album names and we were like, oh, there's a few options. And like maybe I was a bit of a handbrake because one that a few people liked, it just like I just couldn't do it. Or I could have done it, but I really wanted someone else to want it bad because I was like, nah, it's just cheesy. Um, So none of us, like in in the past, we'd always had one we felt good about together and everyone felt good about self-titled and we kept kind of trying other things, but no one, none of us could all sort of uniformly get together on anything else. So that was, I guess, the, you know, democracy manifest. We ended up with a um, a self-titled record, which feels good for us. It's a nice time for it. Yeah. How did you find it releasing this album independently in comparison to having um, more of a deal kind of to back you a yeah. little bit? Yeah. So the the label thing's really interesting. Like you, I guess you never really know what a label does. You kind of, you, it's hard to quantify, I guess is what I'm saying. So it's it, the way a label markets and sells you is like up to them. So to some extent you, you sign to a label who you think is going to do a good job and then you let them do their bit, which is that, and you make the music. So you never really quite know um, how well I've supported you. I mean, we we had some very good years with um, with Ireland in Australia, but how much of that was Ireland, how much of that was us, I couldn't tell you. Um, so it's a bit like unknown. You go, oh, cool, like they're definitely in- influential. They're, like we wouldn't have won ARIA Awards without without a label I'm pretty certain about that like or certainly not as many as we did um so they can help with some of the big things but there's also an element to which they are the mediator of the relationship of your music like Ireland records in Australia is what gets it to a like now it's streaming platforms but to shops and to people whereas when you do it yourself you become the there's no barrier any longer between us and and people who want to listen to our music. And I mean, like, are either of you vegetarian? I was once upon a time. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just I'm just gonna use a meat metaphor, but it could apply to sausages, uh, sorry, to vegetarians as well. But like being independent means you sort of you get to see the sausage being made a little bit. So it's not always pretty. Um like when I say not always pretty, you hear this stuff that maybe labels don't tell you that such and such didn't want to have you on the thing. Like labels are really good at like managing artists' egos, but when it's your own kind of team, you want to know whether things did or didn't happen. And and so I think that's been good in like confronting sometimes because you're like, oh, okay, like I never realised that this person didn't really like our music or whatever and now you know. Whereas before it would have been all like smoothed over and whatever. And so you see the inner workings a little bit and sometimes it's like, oh, cool. Like it's, it's, it, it shows you the business side of the music business, I guess. Whereas we've normally steered clear of that. Maybe that's a way of putting it. Yeah. Sick. And just like touching on that, um, because it's like the first album that you've released in quite some time. How did you approach um, this album in comparison to your other releases? How did we approach it, did you say? Yeah, to your other releases. I mean, from our point of view, like in terms of the recording process, it was the same. Like we basically write songs until we feel like we've got enough good songs to make a record. And then we go into the studio and then we record them. And usually we record a couple more than we need. But we don't like, 
we had a lot of demos this time, but we don't, we don't get, we're not one of those bands that goes and records 40 songs and then picks the best 10. We probably record between like, I don't know, like maybe we record 14 or 15 songs usually. And then we pick the best depending on what number we think should be on the record. Um, and so it's like the process was the same for us really. Um, and then afterwards it was like the cool part about what we've just done. Cause we just put it, put our album out is we just did a, a week to kind of promote the release of the record and we were just involved like we we came up with ideas about what we thought would be cool and worked it all through that management and they had some great ideas we had some ideas and everything was really easy to do because it was like oh do we want to do this yeah all right great there was no like kind of running around and trying to convince other people that this is going to be serving their interests too like it was just it was simple but um but it was also like um i guess it gave us an opportunity to to sort of be like be more hands-on which was really nice too like we got to meet people we signed a lot of vinyl signed a lot of cassettes and cds and stuff but the process really wasn't different it just gave us more more of a chance to be involved now like which is really cool i think so yeah like last record we went to nashville this one we made in australia but we seem to be like a pendulum so probably next record will be overseas because i think we were the first album we made overseas second one was at home third one was overseas Oh, the fourth one was overseas too. So maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my my theory doesn't hold. Maybe we could be another home one. I don't know. Do you have a preference of being in Australia or overseas? I don't necessarily. I think like there's always something exciting about going overseas. Maybe not because it's overseas. Like there is there is that to it. That's fun, but it's when you go there to do something. Just that's the only reason you're there. Like when last time we were in Nashville, the only reason we were in Nashville is because we we're making an album. Um, so there was no distractions. Like you could go and watch music at night, but you didn't. You weren't falling back into sort of family life and friends. There was no other obligations apart from just doing what you're doing. But then the advantage of being at home is you sleep in your own bed. And you kind of life keeps rolling while you're making the record and it takes some of the pressure out of it, I think. Sorry, I'm mm. just gonna plug my computer in so it doesn't die. Um and um and then it also allows us to drag the process out, which we sort of dragging the process actually sounds negative, but but we, there are advantages to being able to like record something and then listen to it for a few months and then go, uh, it still sounds good, or maybe instead you go, nah, I think it's not quite right and we'll change it. Whereas when we've gone and done the the recordings like on a location, like say in Nashville or in um in Bath, you you do the recording and then it's done and you kind of have to live with what you've done at that point because there's no, to be honest, there's no budget left to go and do something else. You've probably spent all your money, and so at that point you're like, all right, we're going to make what we have work. There's advantages to that, but there are advantages to be able to go. And change things like some of the songs on this record kept changing until like the very end really like the wheel for example the last track like it went through quite a few different things and it eventually landed and there were other tracks that were similar where we we tried things and it was good but it wasn't quite right and then we'd go back in again and it's that's much easier to do at home so i think i i like the variety of it because i think if you only ever did one you'd be like I don't know. There's something novelty is nice in life as well. Yeah, for sure. And do you have a favorite track off this latest record, and why? Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, that's hard. It's a hard one for me. Um, 
I think Apex is probably my favorite song because it's one of my favorite songs we've ever done, I reckon. Um, and The Why. I think it's probably incongruous elements that work well together for me on that one. So, like, that was a song that um, I'd just bought a synthesizer in 2019 um, after after being on tour in America and I, I was trying to figure, I was living overseas at the time and I was trying to figure out how to use it and I just, like, wrote a little chord progression and I thought, oh, that's kind of nice and it was pretty dreamy and floaty but, like, it was nothing. Like, it was just three chords recorded on my computer and garage band and sort of forgotten about and then when COVID stuff happened, I was, like, just looking through my hard drive and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Maybe, like, I'll send it to Dave. And then Dave sung a melody over it and I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's like, this could become a, become a song. And then we forgot about it. Like, it just it was sitting in the, the band Dropbox where all of our kind of sketches and ideas are. And then it was only like a month before we finished the the album or a couple of months before someone else found it. I think Simesy had then gone and played bass. He found it one day and went, oh, what's this? He opened it and just heard some keyboard and vocals. And then he played a bass part. And I was like, wow, that's a cool bass part. And then Tim put some drums in. And I think Killian hadn't even heard it. And he opened it one day and was like, what is this song? We need to do it. We need to work on this. And so it was quite improbable how it came about. And then... I guess the groove of that song and the bass and the the kind of the vocal melody are what um what make it work for me. It's got a really like it's got a singable bass part and a sing like I I get the chorus in my head and I feel happy when I have that song in my head. It's not an annoying one. And then yeah. it has a like a saxophone sort of synth solo at the end, which you know that's always been a bit indulgent but fun as well. So I think it's just a good pop song with a with a nice ending. So I could have just said that, but that would have been a more boring answer, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And uh, to back up the album, you've uh, also got four music videos um, yeah. for State of Flight, Just to Be Kind, Apex and Strange World. Um, but I just wanted to touch on Strange World because I watched it the other day and it was such a beautiful piece. What was your filming process like for that? So we were working with um, with some like filmmakers down in Victoria who just I think they knew one of like they'd done something with an, another artist who our management work with and they put a treatment forward and we just really liked the idea of it we thought oh it's kind of like it'll be interesting to see how it land, lands because it's you know set like with the nursing home stuff like I was just intrigued I didn't want it to be too dark or too heavy um and then so they pitched the idea and then they said, basically, we want you to play this like almost like a cameo role where you're the band playing in this kind of community hall and they, they shot the rest of it around us. So we just turned up one day in Melbourne. We drove, got in a, you know, hired a van, drove to the community hall. We were there for like four hours. We filmed a few takes of our thing. We got to see some of them, the dancers doing their thing and meet everybody and then we were out like we sort of, so they did it all themselves and we were just that little kind of tiny part of it. But we just, I think we don't try and take those things on ourselves as much as we like to find stuff that resonates with us and the story they had and the, I don't know, just they're kind of charismatic people. The, I think that's one house they're called or something. Um, they're tagged on our Instagram. If anyone wants to know, like with a clip, you can find out who did it, but they were just awesome. Like they were cool and they it sounds silly and it sounds like egotistical, but they said they really liked the song. And I guess to people who are budding filmmakers out there, if you want to do a clip, tell the artist you like the song 
like because we want people who are going i really connect with the song and therefore we want to do it and it sounds silly but not everyone says that people just often send something in but we got on a, a call just like we're on now and they just were like oh we like your band we love the music but this song is really special and i was like oh well, we want to work we want to work with someone who thinks the song's special because we feel like it's special yeah for sure um and you're on your Australian tour, going on your Australian New Zealand tour this month, and you have your regional tour um in September. And yeah. I guess, yeah, you're constantly kind of you're a very touring band, you're constantly on the road. I guess what is the most challenging and the most rewarding thing about playing shows for you guys and being on tour? So the challenging part for me is definitely the traveling bit. Like I don't mind being on a plane and I don't mind like the actual once you're going, but it's like all the little, like all the little moving parts, like being at the airport, like checking in at the, sounds like I'm just complaining, but like, but we take, like you never want to be behind us in the check-in line because there's like yeah. eight of us <laughs> with like 30 pieces of like gear and luggage. And you just see the look in the eyes of the the check-in agent who sees it. Every now and then you get someone who's like, I've got this, we're cool. But a lot of the time you can just see them trying to think, how can I get someone else to deal with this? Because, like, it all has to kind of be weighed and then it has to be tagged and then, oh, these bits go down here and then these bits go to oversize. And it's just, like, it just takes forever and you just get, like, you're just standing there. What We have that, the gag is you stand in line to wait in another queue sort of thing. Like, that's what the, the day is. Like, a lot of, you do all this waiting around just to go and play in Melbourne, which is, you know, an hour and a half on the plane or whatever. You, you're at the airport two and a half hours beforehand then you're at the airport, you're the last ones to leave because when you arrive at the other end, you're waiting for all the oversized stuff and then you got to put it into a van, do that whole thing. That stuff's just like objectively not that much fun. But then you get the reward that you're going to play a show that night. So it's like the show bit is the best part. Mm. Um, and the close second is when you have a night off and you don't play a show and you get to have dinner with everyone. And you're like, oh, this is cool. We're having dinner and we don't have a show tonight. How good is that? Like, not because you don't want to play a show, but you like your mind's free, I guess. Whenever you whenever you like have dinner before a show, you go, all right, cool. What are, you know, your your mind's sort of on what's what's coming later rather than it's hard to be present sometimes. So yeah. Fantastic. I hope I answered that. I'd yeah. certainly meandered a bit. Yeah. Totally. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat to us. Um, we wish no you uh, the rest of Boy and Bear the best, uh, particularly for your tour coming up. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll see you out there. Totally. Yeah, definitely.